Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. The most valuable thing in the life of every human being in the world today is the precious blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus paid the penalty for the sins of the entire world and is the only way for us to have our sins forgiven, to have a relationship with our Heavenly Father, and to go to heaven when we die. Have you been washed in the precious blood of Jesus Christ? Let's open our Bible now to 1 Peter 1 and see what the Lord has for us. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another teaching. It's Monday here in Texas, Monday afternoon. Hopefully everyone is doing well and just uh, growing to know Jesus better. It's the first time we've done this. We have, uh, Lord willing, we have two more teachings left and we'll have finished the entire chapter of, uh, of first Peter chapter one. We are, uh, we have six teachings right now, I believe, and this should make teaching seven. And then the, uh, on Friday, should be uh, should finish up the the chapter, which would be uh, eight teachings on First Peter chapter one. So, thank you, Lord Jesus. The first time we've gone through an entire chapter like this, you know, slowly, verse by verse, as we always do, verse by verse teachings. But um, we have yet to go through an entire chapter or an entire book. So we'll we'll see where we go from there. But Today, we're going to be discussing verses uh, 18 through 21, uh, 1 Peter 1, verses 18 through 21. So in verse 18, it's going to be, we're going to talk about how, you know, uh, when we were redeemed by Jesus, it wasn't with like physical or material things, and it certainly wasn't with money. And we're going to talk about the consequences to that. Verse 19, that, but with the precious blood of Jesus is how we were redeemed from our sin and from us being enslaved to sin and the penalty of eternal hell. Um, we're going to talk about this phrase, the precious blood of Jesus, and, uh, and how, as Christians today, we really don't consider how precious the blood of Jesus is um, in a way that we ought to, or as consistently as we ought to. In verse 20, we're going we're gonna to discuss on how uh, the Holy Trinity— Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they planned the work of redemption even before the world was created. Um, and in verse 21, we're going to talk about that uh, there is no real understanding of God except in the person of Jesus Christ. So we're going to go ahead and pray, and we will read the scriptures, and we will get right into it. So, Father, we just thank you for your mercy and your favor and your goodness on our lives. Father, we love you, we bless you, we thank you, and we praise you. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your mercy and your love. We thank you for your word, Lord. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the living word of God. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open the scriptures. Give us eyes that see and ears that hear. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 through 21. For you know that it was not with perishable things, 
such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, he was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him, you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, verse 18. Peter tells us, verse 18, For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers. So you remember when we're studying the Bible and we and we read a scripture, we want to break it apart. You want to chew on it. You want to think about it. And you want to break the verse up into parts, right? So you can, you know, you can understand it. Now, in this verse, you can see two parts. The first part is, for you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed. Second part, from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers. Okay, so these are the two thoughts we're going to focus on. So the first one, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed. Um, Peter is reminding us, and he, and he finds it necessary to remind us that our redemption did not come from anything of this world. And he specifically mentions that we weren't redeemed with things such as silver or gold. And that represents our money. I was, uh, I was doing this study yesterday with my brothers, uh, Jesse and Stephen, and uh, we had a good study. And then I did it for uh, the last time before the recording. I went through it this morning with my, uh, my, my big brother, Rap. And uh, I mean, he's a close brother of mine. And, um, you know, him and I went through this and really just, uh, you know, it was a wonderful time. And so thank you, Rap. I appreciate that. Um, and what we talked about today is how, you know, in our lives in this world, we could almost have this attitude that we can redeem anything with money. Money seems to be what solves every problem we have. And ironically, most things can be solved with money. But our sin problem could not be solved with money. I mean, it would be a heretical statement, right? Meaning, that, you know, let's say someone was a billionaire and they wanted to, to buy their redemption. They wanted to go to God the Father and say, I know that I'm a sinful person, but I will pay you, God, this many billions of dollars if you will forgive my sin, right? The very thought is absurd. It's heresy, right? It's ridiculous beyond measure, right? God cannot be bought with money. You can't buy Jesus. You can't buy your forgiveness. We weren't redeemed with anything perishable, let alone by money. And it's, it's important we remember that, that uh, our redemption and to be redeemed means to be that we were bought and we were purchased. The Bible says we were slaves to sin and we were bought out of that. Um, we, were, we were purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. We were bought back. As I said, it says we were slaves to sin in Romans 6. Um, 
And Jesus purchased us with his own blood out of that state. Um, and that's called redemption. We were redeemed from an old sinful way of life where we were enslaved to, to sinful living. So Peter wants to let us know that for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed. Okay, so there was nothing, our redemption came by nothing of this world. And he says this, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers. Think about that statement. Redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers. So the first thing to notice is that Peter said that before they came to know Jesus Christ, before that they were redeemed by Jesus Christ, before that their sins were paid by the precious blood of Jesus at the cross, before that had happened, before they had come to know Jesus in their lives, he says that they had an empty way of life. Now, this isn't popular and... um but Peter is clear here that if you don't know Jesus Christ today as your Lord and Savior, and you're not growing to know him, then your life is empty. If you don't know Jesus today, all the fulfillment in your life, all the joy in your life comes from this world. It comes from perishable things. Even us as human beings, we, we perish and we, we die, right? Our bodies are not sustained forever. So if you don't know Jesus Christ today, your life is empty. As my brother Rapp said today, it's devoid of any value. Literally, the Bible is clear that life is worthless without Jesus Christ. Now I'll say again, I know that that's, it's harsh, right? But it's what the scripture teaches. But the scripture doesn't say this to be hard or harsh. It says it because the highest form of love ever imagined is found here in verse 20. Okay, and we're going to talk about that. Matter of fact, we can do verse 20 now since we're talking about it. Okay, verse 20 says, He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Now, you see, you break that verse up into two parts as well. He was chosen before the creation of the world. So it's talking about Jesus. And it says here, Matthew, that Jesus was chosen before the creation of the world. So before there was a world, and just so we understand the order of things, uh, the Holy Trinity, the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, they created the world first, and then they created human beings, right? Now, why did they do that? Well, obviously, they had to create the world first. Because they, you know, human beings had to have a place to inhabit, to dwell, as I wish my, Je my brother Jesse and I were talking about yesterday. So um, the order of things was that the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit created the world. And after they created the world, they created humankind. They created men and women um, in the world that they had created. But in verse 20, it says... He was chosen before the creation of the world. Now, what that means is that Jesus Christ was chosen by 
the unified agreement of the Holy Trinity. Okay. God, the father, God, the son, and God, the Holy Spirit. It says he was chosen before the creation of the world. So clearly it's saying that this happened before the world was ever created. And it was saying that he was there before the world was ever created. Uh, the first point to understand is that the triune God is outside of time. They're eternal. They have always existed. They never were. They always are. In the Old Testament, God refers to himself as I am, meaning it's always present tense. He never was a was. He always is. He's eternal. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they're all God. They are three separate beings, all with the nature of God. And the scripture explains them to us in ways that we can understand as God the Father, our Heavenly Father, God the Son, Jesus, our Lord, our Master, our King, our Savior, um, and God the Holy Spirit. And, you know, the scripture reveals him as our guide, our comforter, and our counselor. Um, but it says he was chosen before the creation of the world. And so it was the triune God was in perfect agreement that God the Son who we know is Jesus, the Son of God, when he entered the world, God the Son, God the Father, and God the Holy Spirit were in, were in agreement before the world was even created, before humankind was even created, that God the Son would become a human man and that he would live a perfect life for you and me and all humanity, that he would die a perfect death for us one and all, that he would be alive and raised from the dead, and that by trusting in him, by trusting in the finished work that Jesus Christ did at the cross, humankind, men and women, would be saved from their sin. They would be redeemed. Their sin debt would be paid at the cross by Jesus Christ. So if you haven't received that today, then Peter tells us in verse 18 that this incredible redemption that he's talking about, which verse 20 tells us um, was decided on before the universe was ever even created, far before humankind was ever created. This plan of redemption was planned out in the councils of the triune God. It was agreed upon that Jesus, the Son of God, God the Son, would become a human man. He would be tortured mercilessly, die a horrific death on our behalf, be punished on our behalf, and then would be raised from the dead by God the Father, fully authenticating God the Father's approval with the price that Jesus paid at the cross for the sin of the world. So when God the Father raised Jesus from the dead, it was his seal of approval saying that we can fully trust in the finished work that Christ did at the cross. And God the Father authenticates that and proves that by raising him from the dead. If God the Father was not satisfied with the payment that Jesus Christ made at the cross for the sin of the world, he would have left him in the grave. The resurrection of Jesus Christ proves that what Jesus did at the cross is fully effective 
fully sufficient to pay our sin debt and the sin of the whole world. And all we need need do now is trust him as our only Lord and Savior. And that's what we're going to talk about in verse 21. So when he says in verse 18, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers. When we enter this world, we come into this world naturally alive, but spiritually dead. We're spiritually empty. We're void. We have natural life, but we have no spiritual life. We were created for relationship with the triune God. In verse 20, you remember we just talked about it. It says he was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Let's ask the question, why would they do this? Why would God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, why would the triune God that has, that has existed, have existed for all eternity, why would they do this? Why would you create a humankind? And before you even created them, obviously they knew that humanity would go bad because it says in verse 20, that that in the councils of the triune God, they came to an agreement that God the Son, Jesus, would become a human man, live a perfect life, die a torturous death on humanity's behalf and in their place. He would be raised from the dead. All of this was decided before the world was created, before humanity was created. Why do it, y'all? Why do it, Scott? Why create a humanity that you know is going to go so terribly sinful and the only way to right that ship is for God himself, in this case, God the Son, the second member of the Trinity, entering the world he created for humans and redeeming them by his perfect life, perfect death, and resurrection. Why do it? You know, if you and I knew beforehand that, it, that, that humanity was going to cause all this, all this trouble, we probably wouldn't have made them. I mean, the Holy Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, they weren't lonely, y'all. They weren't lonely, May, right? They don't need us. They didn't need us. So why would you do that? Why would you go through this, this immense trouble of creating human beings? When you know beforehand that you're gonna, that they're gonna go bad and that there's gonna be this tremendous price that's gonna have to be paid. Because not only, as we said last time, does Jesus enter, you know, he leaves a good portion of his deity on the shelf in heaven, becomes a human man, still has a portion of his deity, but takes on human flesh so he can relate to us as mankind. And then when he dies on the cross and becomes sin, there is a fracture in the relationship of the Holy Trinity that, that would have caused a grief and a sadness and a brokenness of relationship that we will never fully imagine as human beings. The pain that God the Father and God the Holy Spirit would have experienced when Jesus became sin in our place, 
Jesus took the entire sin of the world into himself. That was the only way that we could be redeemed from our sinful and wicked ways, our willful, sinful and sick, uh, uh, wicked ways. Remember, when we've done wrong, all the sin we've ever done, we've done of our own will and decision. We've chosen to do it. So Jesus chose at the cross to take every sin ever committed into himself. In so doing, the Bible says he became sin. Yeah. Um, in, in 2 Corinthians, it says that he who had no sin became sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The point I'm making here in saying this is when that happened, when Jesus became sin, God the Father and God the Holy Spirit had to turn away from Jesus. And the relationship was fractured and forsaken. And the pain and the agony that that caused in the three members of the Holy Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, is not imaginable. It's not compared to any human pain in any manner, in any way that we'll never understand. You know, people have said ridiculous things before, okay? We go through a lot of pain sometimes as human beings. And, and, it's, and it's awful. Um, all of us, I've gone through some painful uh, situations. And almost all of us have gone through very, very difficult pain and circumstances. But believe me, Jesus can relate. Our Heavenly Father can relate. The Holy Spirit can relate. There are people who go through horrible things with children, horrible difficulties with children, and they'll say things like, well, Jesus never had children. Okay, it's an insane statement, okay? Jesus understands pain and suffering at every level and in every way immensely beyond what we could ever understand. As a matter of fact, he has billions of children. He gave his life for all the children or people of humanity in all history. People going through horrible marriage problems will have said, well, Jesus was never married. What does that mean? No, he really does understand the pain that goes with fractured relationship infinitely better than you and I understand the pain of going through hardships in marriage, even up to losing a spouse, right? He really does understand infinitely better. When you and I come to know Jesus, we're married to him in spirit. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are all one in spirit. They're individual beings, but they're also one. They have a complete unity. And when Christ became sin, that relationship was fractured and I've said, and I'll say this for the third time, the pain and agony and anguish would have been beyond anything a human imagination could ever imagine. Like take the most ridiculous, disgusting, deprived imagination that could think of the most painful thing ever. And then when you got to that, multiply that by infinity and you still won't understand the pain that the Holy Trinity went through for this whole concept of redemption uh, to come to pass. So when it says that you have an empty way of life, when you see the immense love 
that was put into you and I being forgiven of our sin. Hopefully you can understand how the Bible says that if you don't have Jesus, your life is void, it's empty, and it has no meaning whatsoever except what you ascribe to worldly meaning in worldly relationships and worldly possessions. And if that's all the meaning you have, the Bible says you're empty. Now, the reason you're empty is you don't have Jesus living in you. You don't have to be empty. You don't have to have this empty way of life. Peter said that, that, that they were redeemed from the empty way of life that they had before they came to Christ. If you don't know Jesus today, you can know him today. Have you called on Jesus? Romans 10, 13 promises that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, saved from your sin, redeemed, and you will be filled with the spirit of Jesus. You won't be empty anymore. Your, 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 your spirit will not be empty. Your soul won't be empty. Your life won't be empty, Kristen. All you need to do today is call out to Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, I, I believe and I confess I am a sinful person. I know I've done much wrong in my life. But Jesus, I believe what the Bible says. I believe that you came into this world and lived a perfect life for me. Jesus, I believe that you died a perfect death for me. And Jesus, I believe you are alive and risen. And therefore, Lord Jesus, I ask you now to come into my heart and to be the Lord of my life and to save me from my sin and to bring me to heaven when I die. Lord Jesus, I place all my faith and trust and confidence in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. If you'll call out to Jesus today, that, that prayer I just gave you is a model. You can pray those words, but the important thing is that you mean them sincerely. And if you sincerely call on Jesus today, you will be saved. The Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the third member of the Holy Trinity of the triune God, God the Holy Spirit, will come and live inside your spirit. He will give you life and you won't be empty anymore. You'll be full and Jesus will live inside of you. And the reason of verse 20 will come to pass. We ask the question, why would he do this? Why would he, why would the Holy Trinity create a humanity that they knew would go bad? And the answer is because they wanted relationship. They wanted to share the goodness and the love of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And even more than that, they wanted to share all aspects of relationship with human beings. So they created human beings so that human beings would choose them, would choose to have relationship with them through Jesus Christ. And it's only in Jesus Christ that you can have a relationship with the triune God. And they want to have a relationship with you and, and me that begins with receiving Jesus Christ as your savior. Jesus, the spirit of Jesus literally comes to live in your spirit. They become, you become one with the spirit of Jesus. You're married to Jesus in spirit. You're part of the bride of Christ. 
and you're one with Jesus and you come into relationship with Jesus. And then you come into relationship with God. The father is your heavenly father. The Holy Spirit, as I said, is your guide, your comforter, your counselor. And you spend the rest of your life cultivating this relationship in this life. And then it will go on in growing meaning for all eternity, forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, time without end. That's why they did it. And it also brings glory to his name. But they wanted relationships. So the answer to that question, why would you create a humanity when you knew before you even created the world and created humanity that that the triune God would have to suffer this immense torture? Why do it? Because they wanted relationship with, you know, billions of human beings for all eternity. And it was worth it to them. It's the greatest love story ever told. It really is. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life. But look what it says here. Empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers. So it says this empty way of life, we inherited it from our parents. Every human being is born with a sinful nature that they received from their earthly father. The nature of sin, the nature to want our own way, the nature to rebel against God is inherited from our father. The Bible teaches. Okay, that's why Jesus had to be born of a virgin. He was born of the Virgin Mary because if he was born in the natural way, say from Mary and Joseph, then Jesus as well. Jesus would have inherited a sinful nature, and he too would have had a nature of sin. Born of a virgin, when God the Son enters the world, born of a virgin, meaning God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, it was actually God the Holy Spirit, made Mary pregnant, right? So now, the child born, Jesus, God the Son, does not have the sinful nature. He actually has the nature of God. He's perfect now and without sin goes on to live a perfect, sinless life in thought, word, and deed, and die a perfect death for us. And so now he is an acceptable sacrifice to die on our behalf and in our place. But it says that this empty way of life was handed down to us from our parents. For all of us that are parents today, what have you handed down to your children? Have you handed down to your children an empty way of life? Have you handed down to your children um, a way of life that, that, that only the only meaning is in perishable things? The only meaning is in earthly relationships, worldly relationships, and worldly things? Or have you handed down to your children a life of meaning, a life of purpose? Meaning and purpose found only in relationship with the triune God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And here's the good news. It is never too late to start. You can start today. Do start today. I need to today more and more talk to our children about what a meaningful life is, what a life full of meaning is. So all of us when we leave this life, we'll wish 
that we had spent more time thinking about Jesus and talking about Jesus and serving Jesus and helping others to know Jesus and helping others know the love of Jesus. We all will that. We'll all wish we have done that more. We will. Um, obviously, all of us know as rational beings that, you know, that giving our life to just worldly endeavors is, is not what the meaning of life is. The meaning of, our, of life is, is growing to know Jesus and the advancement of his kingdom. So let's start today handing down to our children a life of greater meaning and purpose and value again, which is only found in Jesus Christ. So talk about Jesus. Encourage your children to, to spend time in their Bible. Pray with them. Build them up. And if you don't have children, do it with your parents. Okay? I mean, hand up to your parents. If you've come to know Jesus and you know Jesus and your parents don't, then even though they handed down to you an empty way of life, hand up to them the goodness and love of, of God our Father in Jesus Christ our Lord. Talk to them about Jesus, encourage them in Jesus, and keep doing it. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay, now we're to verse 19. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed, verse 18, from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, verse 19, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. As I said earlier, um, I mean, we can. For those of us who've been Christians for a long time, this precious blood of Christ can, can become a commonplace thing or an ordinary thing. And, and Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive us because it is unfitting. I was talking to my brother Rap this morning, and we were talking about how we really do uh, need to, to think about and meditate on and to consider and to speak about how precious the blood of Jesus Christ really is more and more. Jesse and I were talking about this yesterday as well. The blood of Jesus Christ is so precious, and I've already outlined here in all the ways that it is, the incredible price that was paid for you and I with that incredible, precious blood of Jesus Christ that washes away all our sins in the love of God our Father. You know, he, 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 he had his own son tortured so that he could have other children in you and I. And we all need Jesus. When we, when we believe that we're going to come to God without Jesus, we're saying that the entire torturous death that Jesus went through, that wasn't necessary for us. We were saying we don't need it. We don't want it. And that's why the scripture promises. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father or comes to the Father except through me. So we do want to focus more and more and think about that precious blood of Jesus Christ, May. It says, but the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, Peter lets us know that Jesus was perfect. Now, the reason that's important is because Jesus is without blemish or defect, and that's counter to what we are as human beings. Every one of us as human beings is filled with blemish and defect. 
Jesus Christ for all eternity, even the 33 and a half years he walked on earth, was absolutely perfect in thought, word, and deed, sinless, had no defect in his thinking, no defect in his speaking, no defect in his actions. We, on the other hand, as human beings, do have some defective thinking, Scott. We certainly have defective words, Tom. And we certainly have defective deeds, Jose, right? But Jesus was perfect. He is perfect. He has no blemish, no defect. And that's what he had to be to be an acceptable sacrifice on our behalf and in our place to pay the debt of our sin. So let's meditate on that a little more often. Let's give ourselves to thinking about just the just the precious blood of Jesus and all that it means to us and the price that was paid for us. Father, we do love you and bless you and just thank you. I ask you to forgive us, Father, and cleanse us where we've made the the blood of Jesus a commonplace thing. Forgive us, Father, and uh, and help us, Lord, to uh, to be more intentional about meditating on the blood of Jesus Christ and all that it means in our life. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We talked about verse 20. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. The last times are from the time Jesus came, lived his life, died on the cross, was raised from the dead, uh, ascended to heaven. Up until this very time you and I are in now, this very moment, these are all the last times. And it says he was revealed in these last times for your sake. All this was done for us, okay? It wasn't done. He didn't do it for himself. It brings him glory, but it was done out of love for us, okay? He loved us so unconditionally that he says, and he was revealed in these last times for your sake, okay? When Jesus Christ was revealed, when the Savior was revealed, now we know. The Bible tells us that if we trust in Jesus Christ as our only Lord and Savior and ask him to come into our heart and be the Lord of our life, that our sins will be forgiven. We'll ultimately go to heaven when we die and we'll have relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Everything Jesus did is for our sake because we need him and because he loves us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And finally, verse 21, through him, through Jesus, through him you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. Through Jesus, you believe in God. Again, it's plain that if you don't know Jesus today, you don't know God today. Okay? When you know Jesus Christ as your only Lord and Savior, right? It's in Jesus, that the redemptive plan of the triune God becomes clear to us. If you don't know Jesus, you have no understanding of God at all. You can have no relationship with God, no understanding of God, no community with God, and no forgiveness from God 
except in Jesus Christ. Through him, you believe in God who raised him from the dead. You remember when I talked about when God the Father raised Jesus from the dead, it was his seal of approval that you can fully trust in what Christ did at the cross for the forgiveness of your sins and the forgiveness of my sins. And God the Father authenticates that by raising Jesus from the dead. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Above all things, the resurrection proves that God the Father was satisfied with the payment made for the sin of the world by Jesus Christ at the cross. By raising Jesus from the dead, God the Father was, was giving his complete seal of approval that what Jesus did on the cross was sufficient for the sins of the world. And God the Father was saying, you can trust in my son, Jesus, and his death. And I'm going to give you my validation of that by raising him from the dead. Everybody else is in the grave. Buddha's still in the grave. Muhammad's still in the grave. Confucius is still in the grave. Jesus Christ is risen. It's the resurrection that makes Christianity Christianity and sets us apart from every other religion. Our Lord and Savior and King is risen. Death couldn't hold Jesus. Jesus conquered death. Hell couldn't hold Jesus. Jesus conquered hell. Jesus conquered hell because hell would have held you and I. Death would have held you and I. But Jesus won the victory over death and hell because we couldn't. So he won it for us. Right, Lauren? He won it for us. And so that by trusting in him, we too will have victory over death, victory over hell. We'll have life in Jesus, the forgiveness of our sins. We'll have relationship with the Holy Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Well, Lord Jesus, we do thank you and we praise you and we worship you and we love you today. Again, we just thank you, Jesus, for your precious blood. We thank you for loving us. We thank you, Lord, that you just planned our redemption even before the world was created. And then with that plan in mind, that, that you would redeem us by your blood and would redeem all those who trust in you, you then went on to create a world and then create human beings, us included, to live in it knowing that we would willfully go uh, uh, astray, knowing that we would willfully be sinful. And yet you made a way for us, Lord Jesus. And we just worship you and we love you and we thank you. Father, we pray that all who don't know you today, all the world, Father, it says in 1 Timothy 2, 4, that it's your will that, that everyone be saved. And in 2 Peter 3, 9, it says it's your will that no one perish. Father, I pray that no one would perish but everyone would come to repent of not believing in Jesus. They would come to repent of not really understanding the necessity of Jesus. And they would come to put their full faith and trust and reliance in Jesus alone this day. Holy Spirit, we love you. We bless you and we thank you. Go ahead of us now, this day, in Jesus' name, amen and amen.
Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. For more information about our ministry, please visit www.kingdomd.org. If you'd like to email us directly, you can reach us at contact at kingdomd.org.